I'm Drew Holmes. When I started learning to make music, I thought that the only way to have a career in the industry was as a performer. I could not have been more wrong. In more than 25 years in the music business, I've done many non-performing jobs from orchestra librarian to music store owner. But my experience is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm on a mission to explore the exciting and necessary jobs that make performances possible. Come with me as we go Beyond the Stage. Uh, so what surprised you the most about uh, having a music story? What, what was yeah, the, the biggest difference, uh, reality versus uh, what you thought it was going to be? I didn't think it was going to be that much fun. <laughs> and I didn't mind working, and I would get in the shower every morning, and, and I would think, okay, now what do I need to do today? And I'd get it organized in my head, and I would come in, and the hours flew by. I'd look up, and it would be 1 or 2 o'clock, and mm -hmm. it's like, and I ate lunch in the store because oh, sure. I was the only one. Yeah. <laughs> and and to, to go to the bathroom at, downtown, I had to lock up the store, jam up the phone line, and run to the bathroom and run back and unlock the store. And it was a be back in five minutes kind of thing. Sure. But, but it was probably that the time went so fast. And then I would stay after. We used to close at 6, and I would do my books every day by hand. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just very – I'm a very simple person, and I just had very simple um, – processes and things and and it, it's a whole different ball game now with the computer age some good some bad but um i just can't even imagine doing that but i and i had to balance to the penny before i left <laughs> but in those days i did they didn't i didn't have electronic cash register in the early days i had an old uh 1940s woolworth's a cash register that I'd found in a pawn shop, and I used to use it to to just transpire the the cash transactions sure. and the checks. There was a lot of checks in those days too. And surprisingly enough, I didn't have hardly any bounce checks. Fort Collins was a very good town. Yeah, that that was a minor problem, um, mm -hmm. but. But I think it's just more of as everything has grown, I mean, percentage-wise, I don't think the problem's been any worse. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's been a, a while since we've had to deal with stuff like that. So, yeah, you're right. That's I don't know if it's a community thing or just a societal thing, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, people writing bad checks has not been nearly uh, the issue that you would imagine it could have been. Yeah, and I learned how to be bill collector when people wouldn't pay their rent. Yep. And I had I had to go repossess a couple of instruments now and then. And I can't believe that I would do that, but I did. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the Wild <laughs> West, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I had, but I kind of like the adventure of it, too, and the excitement. But uh, it was, so I learned just so much. And just, I was, I'm very down to earth, so I made everything simple mm -hmm. and not sophisticated. And... Um, but the hilarious times we had in the store with the staff, I mean, it was a laugh a minute. Oh, yeah. It, it, things just get ridiculous, and you, you just got to go with it. I mean, the, the absurdity of some situations are, are just amazing. And they were all musicians, so they were, of course, wacky and funny. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, just the whole people experience was, was very good. So you're just starting college. Yes. Knowing what you do now, what are the three classes you would have actually taken that you didn't? 
oh, that I didn't. Yeah. I can tell you the ones that I did take. Sure, sure. <clears throat> yeah, either way. If, yeah. First of all, I love my music classes, and I didn't like freshman English or yeah, history or any of that. And I got to take classes to learn brass instruments, string instruments, woodwind instruments, percussion instruments. And it was a beautiful, beautiful background mm-hmm. for me to have to own a music store. I could handle it. And I did private teaching also for the first couple of years when I started Boomer Music. And then I just got too busy. But I did enjoy the private lessons. But when I worked for the chain store on my day off, I would have go to the chain store and teach and have 10 lessons in a row. Yes. And I was tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That, that's a lot of effort. Yeah. I mean, to to yeah. be imparting that much knowledge that quickly for that many people. Right, I mean, it's right. you know, you're on for yeah. for ten hours straight. Well, so I suppose if if what classes should I have taken? Maybe a little bit of business classes uh-huh. because I didn't have any. But if I did, I probably would have thought, oh no, you got to do a business plan. You got to go borrow <laughs> money and all that. And I just did, went to pawn shops and garage sales and auctions. Yeah, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Um, having some kind of a background is necessary and useful, but knowing too much, I mean, it, yeah. as I always say, it's like, you know, the, the caterpillar thinking about which leg to move first was fixed to the spot. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, if you overanalyze, I mean, you know, I've, the ideal is ready, aim, fire, as opposed to, you know, ready, ready, ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so... I agree with you on that one completely, that if you need to know just enough to get into trouble so then you can get yourself back out mm-hmm. of it. And luckily, I worked for two different music stores before yeah. I started my own, and out of frustration, I started my own. But it was a d- dream come true for me. Well, and that, frankly, is one of the best reasons to do it, is that you saw all the ways not to do it. Yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the deficiencies in the way things mm-hmm. were. Like not ordering what people want? Yeah. And so being able to, you know, spot where the cracks were in the system and, uh, you know, fill them in yourself. I mean, obviously you built up an audience and here we are, you know, 45 years later having this conversation. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Yeah. So if someone wanted to get into this side of the business, what, what advice would you offer? Boy, um, it's a whole different ball game than when I owned it. You know, I, I was down home and, um, Things were simpler in those days without the internet and that kind of thing. But first of all, um, I would say, say having a music background set like you did. Sure. And um, also um, just you've got to do your research. And, it's, and to compete with the internet and all of those kinds of things now, towards the end of when I owned Boomer, people would come in and try mouthpieces and then they'd go order it online. Oh, sure, yeah. And, um, you know, that was, that was, uh, you got to win them over with the personal touch. Yes. Yeah. Convey the knowledge. value that you provide. Yeah. I mean, because that's, you know, it, it's a good brand and it's been built up over years. And, mm-hmm. you know, as the, the definition of a brand is a unique promise of value. Mm-hmm. So what promise of value do we offer? It's that, you know, for our customers and our community that we're going to do, you know, we're, we're doing right by them, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's with you know, the knowledge or whether it's with the equipment or whether it's just with a sympathetic ear, mm-hmm. you know, we're your people. So 
what skills do you have or in, or did you develop that made it a success? I mean, you, you how, how many years? What, 20, uh, 22, 22 years. 22 years you had the store. I mean, that there's no accident there. Most businesses you know, fail within the first year, and then the, most of the rest of those that survive fail within five. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Why? Retail was simpler then. And uh, as far as... T- telling people what they need to do to own a retail music now it's it's different it's just totally different and uh it would be very difficult and uh luckily when i when i moved and and the business exploded when i moved out south and all of that um i got really very busy and was more in the back room and and not out in the customers, except I had a big glass plate window that I could look out, mm-hmm. and if somebody walked in that I knew, I'd go out and kibitz with them for a while. I, I remember that window. That was my window for a while, that's too. That's right. That's right. So uh, I was getting so... I was my I had health problems, and yeah. after a certain point, one of my friends said, well, why don't you just retire? And I thought, oh, I never thought of that, because I thought... <laughs> I want to do this for the rest of my life, but physically I could not do it. Yeah. And so I decided to put the store up for sale. I, I knew the reps and things, and I know I didn't want to sell to a chain store, and I had... You've made that abundantly clear as to why. <laughs> yes, uh, didn't want to do that. And a chain store, a guy from a chain store, uh, he... They wanted the chain to buy it, and uh-huh. I said, I'm not interested. So my good old friend Harold Stone, the LeBlanc rep that's opened me up with instruments, we were good buddies by that time, and he knows all kinds of people. And he he uh, met Jerry Bramer, and he worked for a chain store in Denver. <laughs> well, Jerry decided he wanted to go on his own. So um, Harold put us together and Jerry and his wife, Ruth, uh, who they're both musicians. He was trombone and she was an organist. It was a natural fit, and uh, I got an attorney to handle the sale and kind of evaluated my business, and I thought, oh, I can't ask that much money. <laughs> and he says, the figures are right here. Oh, and I also found a very good account accountant from about the second year in business, that I still work with today. He's a little younger than me. <laughs> so anyway, Jerry and Ruth came along, and um, and they didn't get a business loan, and they wanted me to carry back uh, a lot of the mortgage, and I was scared to death. And the attorney was telling me what interest rate to charge them. Sure. And I said, you can't do that. And I went to my accountant, and he goes, that's the going rate now. And I went, yeah. oh, my gosh. So um, we we sold it to Jerry and Ruth, and it was a real good fit because he expanded the business and started calling on schools and yep. and had a bigger staff, and his wife was wonderful with the sheet music, and his son actually joined the business as well. And um, But my, with the contract of the sale... I I off I was going to stick around for I think two months, mm-hmm. and um, so I did. But the the store was so near and dear to me that I wanted to still work, and I worked. I think uh, 
one day a week to to help him with do the books and kind of show him the business and stuff. But I couldn't cut the apron strings <laughs> for like it was probably four years. And then I got down to just mornings. And then I thought, oh, I don't really want to go in today and whatever. Mm-hmm. And but uh, with my health problems, unbeknownst to me, I had multiple sclerosis for years before that and I thought I was just overworking (laughs) but they didn't diagnose it until four or five years after I had sold the store and it's like oh that's why I couldn't handle it and um and of course I thought as soon as I retired that I was going to get healthy right away and that didn't really happen yeah so but I boy I stuck in there because I missed it and it and they were so nice to keep me on well, I mean, you are Cindy Boomer. I mean, that, that's that's what people in this community call you. Well, people think my name is Cindy Boomer. Yes. In fact, on Facebook, it's it's in my Facebook name, and they don't even know me by my real name. <laughs> and uh, so Cindy Boomer is just it. And Will Schwartz uh, used to call me Ms. Boomer mm-hmm. and Cindy Boomer, so it got to be my nickname, and my friends called me Boomer. And it just got to be a real magical thing for me and the way the tradition and how it all evolved. But I feel so fortunate that I was able to find something that was really my niche. And it it wouldn't have been public school teaching. Yeah. So what's the most important thing you've learned in your life? And what was life like before and after? (laughs) I I, I like this question a lot. I think this one's interesting. So I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it. You know, I I really never had a lot of confidence growing up, and I didn't know if I could do it, and I I achieved very well with playing clarinet, and um, it built confidence in me Mm -hmm. that, yes, you can do this, and yes, you can be first chair, and I was very competitive, and I had a wonderful private music teacher, and so I think it was such a confidence builder, but then I had to start over with the music store because what, what do I know about business? Yeah. But I just, I just uh, like I said, just practical. And, but I, I was really kind of a natural for it. And when I was young, I used to play store, and I had a little cardboard box store, and I had a little toy cash register, and I loved to play store. So I think it was in there from when I was a toddler, Mm -hmm. and I enjoy people. So uh, I guess just building confidence and then being so insecure with the business in the first couple years that the big chain store is going to come in and wipe me out and that kind of thing, and they never did come. But because I was doing my job, I guess... And I got way more and more confident. So after a couple of years, it's like, you can do this. You're, you're making a nice living. And so I got very, very secure and confident in myself that I, was, uh, I had the ability to do it. Let's take a quick time out to hear from our sponsors. Beyond the Stage is proudly sponsored by Boomer Music Company. Northern Colorado's band and orchestra experts since 1976. If you need instrument rentals, repairs, sheet music, or accessories, Boomer Music has you covered. Come to our Fort Collins showroom or visit us online at www.boomermusiccompany.com. 
thepodcastingstore.com is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting and remote learning and a proud sponsor of Beyond the Stage. Whether you're a novice remote teacher or a veteran podcaster, we have the gear and the knowledge to take your content to the next level to better engage your audience. Check us out at www.thepodcastingstore.com and see what solutions we have for you. Now, let's continue our journey beyond the stage. Well, in, in with something like that, it reaches the point where you say, oh, can I do this? And then you get to the point and say, well, I must do this. You know, the, the value that I'm adding to mm-hmm. people is so great that yep. not doing it would, would be a crime almost. Yeah. And I enjoyed performing, and um, but uh, I couldn't see myself trying to go out, get in a professional orchestra or anything like that, because I would get so nervous, mm-hmm. and I just thought, I can't, I'm just too nervous. I played first chair in a, in a lot of groups, but I got confidence from doing that, but as far as doing it professionally... No, I, w- I would rather, and I was not one to over-practice either, and I was not <laughs> yep. one to uh, put myself in a, in a practice room for eight hours a day, mm-hmm. you know. An hour about was my limit, and, and I was always prepared for my lessons, but uh, I was not an over-practicer. Well, and that's what I tell people, and like, well, why didn't you become a professional trumpet player? I, I have two answers. One is I enjoy eating too much. Um, (laughs) and two is that, you know, I'm, I'm exactly like you, I'll go and practice for an hour and say, well, that's pretty good. As opposed to doing it for eight hours saying I'll do better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that's just not where Mm -hmm. unto itself, the the meaning isn't there. I I enjoy doing it when I can, which hasn't been much recently, but you got to find a deeper meaning in that, or at least be smart enough to know that that's not the direction to go in. No, it, it certainly wasn't for me. And I played second clarinet in the Fort Collins Symphony, and I had no desire to be principal. <laughs> but I, I was consistent practicing, however, sure. and my parents never forced me to practice because I knew I had to be prepared for my private lesson, and you had to show up prepared or he wouldn't, he wouldn't teach you. Yeah. So I was consistent, although I did take weekends off. I got good at sight reading is how I got through my lessons. But... Oh, <laughs> No, I, I, I was prepared because I was very, very aware that my teacher expected that. Yeah. And I thank him for it. Oh, sure. That he gave me this wonderful background. And I love performing in groups. And in fact, I didn't realize I'd be this age and still be performing. I had no idea. Well, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, I know it's uh, 2021 and the world hasn't gotten back to the new normal yet. But no. when it does, what is your performing uh, schedule or uh, dance card going to look like? Well, I'm happy to say uh, that the Fort Collins Wind Symphony, which I founded in 1991 with the current band director, Bill Runyon, and Janice Shader Thomas, who owned the repair shop, mm-hmm. who did my repairs for many years, and we were very good friends. Um, but we started it, and this year would have been our 30th season, and I was going to get my 30-year pin. <laughs> and there's two people that will be getting the 30-year pin, Scott Schlupp, band director at Rocky Mountain High School, yep. and myself, and he was in on the ground floor of it as well. So I play in that, and it is because we got together. We were in Perkins' restaurant, and we were having lunch with Bill, and, oh, I wish there was a good place to, 
you know, a really high quality band and blah, blah, blah. And we, on a napkin, we planned Fort Collins Wind Symphony. And it started out very slow, just like with Boomer Music. And it exploded into this, it's an all volunteer, but professional group. Yeah. And it was great joy for me. And when I got so involved in Boomer Music, I dropped out of the Fort Collins Symphony and I put my horn in the case for seven years. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then I, well, actually, yeah, it was before I sold the business, uh, I got that. And then I started playing in Loveland Concert Band. And it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much I missed not playing for seven years. So I was in that until a couple of years ago. But then I had the Fort Collins Wind Symphony, and I've been in a, a woodwind quintet for over 20 years with um, the McNeil Brothers, where mm -hmm. uh, Steve McNeil, Fort Collins High School Orchestra Institution. Yes, yes. And Jim McNeil, Rocky Mountain High School, another institution. There's a reason that the uh, name McNeil is on the side of the auditorium. Yeah, that's right. But Jim McNeil wanted to start a quintet, and... So we've been going ever since. And so, but uh, this last year with the pandemic, um, I'd never, I'd, I only missed one Fort Collins Wind Symphony, no, two in my life. And that was because I had kidney stones for one and the other I was on a, a cruise. But <laughs> uh, 30 years worth of performances and I'm very comfortably in the second clarinet section. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was such a joy to perform with that caliber of musicians and they're all family friends in some way they're not my family but they are yeah. my family my musical family i missed it so much this year i was really in a funk because i can't imagine not playing in that group and it's what i live for and i'm I'm happy to announce we have a brand new band director, Rebecca Phillips from CSU. Oh, fantastic. Uh, we had a wonderful, well, we had Bill Runyon was the first conductor. Uh -huh. And then um, Bill got real busy and he was playing in Fort Collins Symphony, Cheyenne Symphony, and didn't really have the time in running the, the, the music department. So then we recruited Steve McNeil and he was mm -hmm. our conductor for uh, probably about 13 years. And then he retired, and um, he was getting out-of-town gigs, and, and he decided to step down from the Wind Symphony. And then we were very fortunate, and we did a, a conductor search to um, have five candidates, and I found, got experience in picking uh, conductors because I was also on the board of the Fort Collins Symphony, and we had to pick out a conductor, Wes Kinney, who's yes. still there today. And I was on that committee, so I kind of knew how to do a conductor search. And um, we found uh, Dick Main, Dr. Dick Main uh -huh. from from UNC, and he was a fantastic, fantastic fit for us and a nice replacement for Steve. Big shoes to fill. I wouldn't want to come after Steve McNeil. No, I mean, that that'd be like coming after Jerry Seinfeld on an no. open mic night. That that's uh, he's from the outside. Obviously, I'm not part of the ensemble, but yeah, Dick seemed to be a, a really the, the correct person yes. for the job. And the Wind Symphony got so well during Steve years, and we grew as nobody ever quit. And <laughs> we, the only reason why they quit was because they moved away or mm -hmm. they retired. But we had the same group for years and years and years. 
And so it was just, it was, it was what I lived for to do. It was just another passion. And we, I'm so happy to have Rebecca Phillips on board. And we are, it looks, I think, 95% that we will be performing back in Griffin Hall. We did, we, we missed um, the, the, the spring of 2020, and we thought, oh, we'll be back by the fall. And right. then we all know how that went. Yeah missed it desperately and um the board has and i'm i've been on the board since its inception (laughs) about every job you can do and um i'm currently vice president which is the way i want it and (laughs) but we are planning our season we have the dates picked out and uh, we're finding out at the end of may about our availability to get it back into griffin griffin and I think it's going to be a go and possibly to have our live audience back. So it, it keeps me going again. And I had my first quintet rehearsal uh, last Friday. So I'm back playing again. So I'm a different person. Spring has sprung. Mm-hmm. Spring's coming. <laughs> You've kind of answered it, but uh, l- let's formalize it. Uh, the people who are most influential to you, um, any number of them that you want to pick, but you know who and why? You know what? Who, who are the people who've made Cindy, Cindy? Boy, I think I would say my, my mother, first of sure. all. And she was very common sense and thrifty and um, followed through on her word and was a people person. And she knew how to treat people and responsibility. She followed through on what she said. Mm-hmm. And that was very important to me And and my dad, too, with the integrity part of it, and that's all part of the business. And I think, well, I maybe have more than three influential. Okay. Yeah. And and then came Ray George, who was uh-huh. a big influence on my life uh, as a person and as a performer and um, just what's right with the world. Steve McNeil has been a dear friend since I met him in the Fort Collins Symphony, playing bassoon and being silly <laughs> and so we got to be really great friends and when when uh, boomer music moved out south his wife martha nicknamed punk she got to be a full-time employee with me and i got to know his family really well but he taught me all about positive and when he wanted to quit something he'd say um I'm ready to stop having fun now. And he put a positive spin on everything and has had influence on so many people and students and was a real role model for me. And I learned how to be positive around him. And he is a dear friend to this day. Oh, he, he is such an amazing person. I uh, grew up in a different state. Uh, I did not get to have him as a, a director or a teacher, but he, he's one of those people that when he's interacting with you. You're all there is in the world. And it's it just the focus is on you. And it's it's genuine. I mean, he, he's just such an amazing, like you said, positive person. You just want to be around him. You just you just want to, to be in his world. So yeah, he, he's a, truly an amazing person. So um, I guess maybe that's my three. <laughs> and they've all been musicians. Go figure. Yeah, imagine well, that. And my mom played violin in school. And um, she dropped out as a junior from the orchestra to go sing in choir. And I said, you did what? 
Another one of my favorite questions. What is the best compliment you've ever had? Boy, now that's, that's a hard one. Uh, it has to be maybe between two things. One is which um, when I was in the Fort Collins Symphony, and um, I think I was playing first chair at that time. No, maybe it was a school orchestra. I'm sorry, CSU school orchestra. And we were playing uh, a Brahms symphony, and um, I had a clarinet solo, a beautiful clarinet solo in one of them. And maybe it was a Fort Collins symphony. I don't know why I was playing the solo, but kind of scared. But I played it, and Will Schwartz stopped and looked at the orchestra and looked at the first violinist and said, that is absolutely beautiful gorgeous that's a beautiful thing and he complimented me up one side and down the other so that was that was a contender mm -hmm. and also our latest con conductor until dr phillips gets here dr main and he has been so complimentary of of me being the founder of the wind symphony and he as when he retired he wrote me a couple of different emails that made me cry. Yeah. He was so complimentary, and he acknowledged everything I have done. And he, he's, he just is a wonderful man, and he is also a dear, dear friend. Well, that's about all that I had well, uh, to, to ask you. But is there anything that I didn't ask? Uh, I don't think that, so. <laughs> and, or anything that you want to ask me? I mean, you can turn the tables if you want to and well, get even here. I'm just, I'm really very fortunate. Well, actually, how we got together, Yes. After when Jerry decided he had the store for maybe seven or eight years, and and he wanted to retire, and he and Ruth moved to Florida, and my fear was chain store <laughs> and um i had become acquainted with um one of my piano teachers kim yes kim. and who happened to be your your um step mother-in-law at, at the time yeah and we got kim and i used to go to lunch all the time we were very good friends another friendship that evolved from the the business she said well you know my daughter and the uh, son-in-law he wants to move to Colorado and start a music store. And I went, oh, you're kidding. <laughs> so we started talking, and I got more and more excited. And, of course, you here we go, another private owner. Yep. And I put you two together, and I said, Jerry and Drew, you go off and you go figure it out. And mm, luckily, here we have the, th the third owner of Boomer yep. Music, and we have a picture of all three Boomers that the repair shop had a picnic, and we have our three pictures yes. of the three boomers. And um, I was so delighted that with your experience that you had had, and you just took it above and beyond and created this huge music store, which I believe is probably the biggest music store in Colorado, or maybe there's one in the Springs that might be about as big. But Yeah, we, we don't have a... a performance hall uh, like some of the other ones might but uh, okay but, but accepting that yeah um we're we're a good size beyond my wildest dreams you kept the logo you put it <laughs> on the vans yep and i was thrilled and you have included me 
so much, and I'm so grateful for that. We've been good friends ever since. And the 40th anniversary of Boomer, you honored me, and it was unbelievable. But I'm so proud of what you have done, and the whole the whole philosophy and integrity of Boomer music has been carried on with you. And oh, I'm so you. very proud of you and your employees. And your employees never really leave either. So No, not typically. Or if they do, they come back, hence the term boomerang. That, yes, that's exactly right. So <laughs> We've had several that have come back. A bunch of boomer lore. Yeah. And so um, I couldn't be happier about it. And to have a relationship and to have it go... Um, Let's see, what are we on, the 46th year now? Uh, 45. 45, okay. Yeah, so 2026 will be the uh, the 50th birthday, and uh, maybe we'll do like we did, or we'll do something different. But I just loved what you have done, and and plus you have two sons. Yes. And I was, I'm really excited about that, and <laughs> so we'll just see where it goes. But it is my legacy, and to still have it, uh, you know, 45 years later in and and just basically gone in in the whole um, boomer lore of all of it, and to keep keep it going and expanding beyond my wildest dreams, and to put a repair shop in and and performing a little a performing studio upstairs uh-huh. and and music lessons and all of that, which I couldn't have done it that big. I kept it very small, but that's why it worked in the early days. So Well, and, and I'll say, you know, if, if we can see further, it's because we're standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, that, that's oh. that's the way that it goes. And well, so, appreciate and, that. And we'll see where, you know, the, the next generation, whenever uh, that comes about, what direction it goes in from there, because uh, who knows? But uh, we'll be here. And, uh, and that's no small part to you. So thank you for what you started. Well, and I love your podcasting. And <laughs> beyond my wildest dreams, as far as being on YouTube and and the videos and all of the things you have posted and your outreach to the schools, which was my bread and butter all yeah. those years, and you have sustained that and uh, just going all over the place. Well, so the, the need hasn't decreased, and no. with the the last. You know, year uh, we've had to get creative and think about what can we do to help support the teachers and their mission of getting kids to love music by making music, and that, mm-hmm. that's kind of the unofficial um, mission that I have around here. That that's our goal is to help people love making music, and if we can do that, then we've done the right thing. Yeah. And uh, well, congratulations, Drew, and here's well, to the next fifty. Oh, thank you so much, Cindy. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's a great place to wrap it up there. Okay. So, Cindy Haraway, thank you so much for joining us and giving us a peek behind the curtain as to uh, what a career in music retail could look like and uh, something that isn't being on stage. So, thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed it. It was very much fun. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Stage. If you have ideas for future episodes or work in a non-performing role in the music industry and would like to tell your story, please contact me at drew at boomermusiccompany.com. I'm Drew Holmes. Thank you for listening as we explore careers in music beyond the stage.